Good evening, good evening, good evening. Good, good evening. evening. Good evening, good evening. Good evening. God, God bless God. you. God bless you also. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, get ready to start with this podcast. And since you are on the air, we're going to just ask if you would just go right ahead, jump right in, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about the podcast what it's going to be about, what it's going to be like, and the direction and the focus that we're going to have on this podcast. And so it's all yours, Dr. Lee Adams of Memphis, Tennessee. Go right ahead. Bless you. Thank God for you. Uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure uh, to be a part of the BVS Gospel Net Network. I want to say good evening to uh, each of you, especially Uh, growing pains with this uh, podcast. Uh, we certainly hope that we have uh, worked out the kinks and the bugs uh, in it uh, and that this will be a great uh, podcast uh, bringing to you presentation uh, emanating uh, from Crossroads. Crossroads. What is Crossroads. Uh, crossroads is where we discuss pertinent and pressing issues that confront all of us. Uh, and the, the uh, title of it came from the fact uh, that we are located uh, in close proximity to Interstate 55 as well as Interstate 40. And Interstate 55 uh, travels and uh, transverses in a north-south direction and Interstate 40 uh, travels in an easterly, westerly direction. And in uh, coming from the west to east, 55 and 40 converges in uh, Crittenden County, Arkansas, uh, between West Memphis, Arkansas, and Marion, Arkansas. And coming from the Tennessee state line uh, it converges in West Tennessee and Memphis. Uh, and so there is a stretch of both interstates that meet, and we call that place the crossroads. It is the epicenter. Uh, it is uh, the direction of where we are in life, crossroads. And so crossroads is designed to uh, address some issues uh, we're confronted with each and every day. We're confronted with um, issues that's dealing with men and women uh, in health and in education, in politics and religion, uh, sports, uh, dealing with uh, uh, our law enforcement on every level, uh, police brutality, the Black Lives Matters movement. Uh, we're at the crossroads in America when it comes to our financial situations. Um, we are inundated. We are inundated each and every day uh, by uh, business downsizings. We're uh, confronted every day uh, with plant closures. Uh, we're uh, bombarded every day with layoffs uh, 
and those who are joining uh, the unemployment ranks. And so uh, here in America, we have reached uh, the crossroads, business and industry, uh, our cultural and race relationships are at a crossroads. Uh, we are spiritually at a crossroads. Uh, churches are going in different directions. Some have suspended uh, their services. Others have uh, curtailed their services, and some are still maintaining. Some are worshiping uh, inside, some are worshiping on the grounds, and even some um, are worshiping by way of uh, media, uh, whether it's Facebook or uh, YouTube or using uh, any other uh, method of transmission. And so we're in a, at a spiritual tr uh, crossroads right about now. Uh, with the pandemic, pandemic uh, at its uh, apex, uh, we can see that even uh, our pastors and religious leaders uh, have not been able to come to a consensus about how we're going to proceed. Uh, many are cautious and, and many are sheltering in place. And so, uh, but yet there are others uh, who are saying uh, we're going full speed ahead. So we do have a spiritual uh, crossroads that we're dealing with. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Yes, we do. Um, so as we look at this thing and we look at this crossroad and, and we look at everything in society and the way things are going on today, <clears throat> what do you think it's going to take for us to get back on the right track and get on the right, uh, go in the right direction? Because we see so many things that are going on today that is causing us so much uh, habit. When we look at uh, uh, the lives of our young people, we look at uh, uh, how they are, there's so much unrest going on and what they're uh, doing to our uh, uh, black men in society. What what do you think uh, we need to do to, to get on the right track? What uh, kind of leadership or where the leadership going to come from? Because we don't have, it seems like we that leader that, that we used to have, the type of leadership that we used to have in the black community is not there in the way that it, it used to be. What, so what do you think uh, moving forward that we need to do? do we, we need some of these uh, young people to rise up as, as leaders and to take us uh, and get us all focused in the right direction. What do you think about that? Uh, Dr. Smith, uh, you're asking a, a very pointed question. Uh, as well as a question uh, that begs to be answered. But before we can do that, we have to look at the uh, historical context in which uh, all of this uh, has transpired and, and where we are today. I don't think um, that it was no secret. Uh, years ago, we understood who our leadership was. Uh, right. When we were back in the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, we understood that there was an A. Philip Randolph. Uh, we understood 
that there was uh, an MLK. We understood uh, on the uh, bench of jurisprudence uh, that there was a third good marshal. We understood that there were giants in the uh, religious field. And so there were men who were able, especially uh, Dr. M.L. King and others who were able to put aside their differences of philosophies and come together for the common good. And because of that, they were able to galvanize the population. Uh, Yes, there were some strategic differences and all that was going on, uh, but they put those differences aside for the good of the whole. And so along came others that uh, they mentored, the uh, Jesse Jacksons, the Andrew Youngs, uh, the John Lewis's, uh, the Elijah Cummings, uh, and others who were giants in their own right. And as a result, there was a stepping in uh-huh. when there was a leadership vacuum. Um, there was a stepping in uh, and taking up the mantle. Unfortunately, in our gaining uh so many uh, 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 rights through the Voting Rights Act of 1964, Civil Rights Act, uh, and all of these other uh, uh, legislative uh, mandates that we received uh, through uh, political uh, uh, posturing. Uh, I think for a while, we kind of um, meandered along. And as a result, uh, there has not been a, uh, a bringing and mentoring of younger people who could step into uh, the range. The other thing that I believe that happened as well uh, is that many of our leaders probably stayed uh, in those leadership positions too long and not brought up uh, men, uh, young men and young women. Uh, who could come in and watch them and they could mentor them and uh, take up take up the cause. Uh, the other thing is, is that in our quest for uh, uh, the American dream, that we kind of lost focus of our common um, uh, bond that we had. And as a result, uh, we did not uh, we, did, we 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 did not pursue a common right. goal. And so now, where we are is that number one, we don't have uh, the the sustained leadership that we had uh, because if you would ask uh, most individuals now, who is the black leader in the black community? It doesn't matter where we are uh, when you're talking about a national leader who can galvanize people uh, in, the, in the person of a Martin Luther King, I think um, it's uh, a foregone conclusion that we don't have that person right now. And as a result, there is a leadership vacuum. 
And because of that, uh, we would think, and this is where we are now, we would think that politically someone would step up, but that person has not. Right. But we have always been able to go to the church. The church has always been our rock. Right. But unfortunately, we don't have uh, national religious leaders mm -hmm. who have stepped up uh, and tried to take the mantle and tried to forge uh, uh, some leadership uh, responsibility uh, right. to step out. Uh, unfortunately, we see it now with the uh, pr proliferation of the pandemic. Many of our religious leaders have gone silent. Exactly. Oh, it's good when the things are going well and, you know, everybody can, you know, um, get on the bandwagon and we can hoop and holler and, you know, we can scream and shout. We can right. make a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. when things are going well. Right. Uh, but now, uh, you know, where are the prophets? The one that uh, w was telling us about 2020, you know, mm -hmm. back in 2019, about this is our year of the vision for right. 2020. Uh, and everybody that was uh, somebody's prophet was telling people about, this is their season. This is their year. This is their time. And then all of a sudden, here comes a pandemic. And those that were declaring and proclaiming about everybody else's uh, uh, time and everybody else's season. Right. And then when they have had to shelter in place, instead mm -hmm. of standing strong, instead of us closing ranks, Exactly. And being stronger in our resolve to get through this, mm -hmm. we have now looked at what is medical science saying? Mm -hmm. What is Dr. Uh, so-and-so saying? And, and what is the National uh, Institute of Health? And what is the CDC saying? Right. What are our boards of health saying? Mm -hmm. And and nobody is saying, listen, we have a solution. Right. We do have a solution. We have a solution to every problem that I just mentioned that we are at the crossroads. What is that solution? I will tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation right but sin is a reproach mm -hmm. to any people right we have got to get back mm -hmm. to going before god right i'm 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 just mind boggled by the fact that the religious leaders haven't come together mm-hmm and said, listen, let's take a page out of 
the Holy Writ. Right. And whenever Israel got in trouble, right, because of her sins and her iniquities, mm -hmm. God used either other nations or he used what we call plague, but it wasn't nothing but a pandemic as well. Mm -hmm. To bring the people back to consciousness, right? Back out of themselves and into Him. And it's just mind boggling to me that those who have these national platforms mm -hmm. are not calling for the church to come together at the hour of prayer. You cannot tell me because I, when I read the book on, uh, uh, in the book, uh, when, I, when, when, when the three Hebrew boys uh, were uh, uh, in captivity, mm -hmm. and when the king had a golden image that was made, right? everybody in the land was told at a certain hour, at the sound of the music and the horns and all of this to bow down and worship a golden image. Right. And with the exception of three, which we know the story, but the point is mm -hmm. that all over the nation, everybody bowed down. Right. Everybody went into a posture of worship and yet, here we are talking right. about how good God has been to us. Okay. What he's done for us. And we know how he's brought us through. And yet, there is no spiritual direction to say to the church, hmm. we have sinned and we have come short of your glory. Well, what are some of these national sins, uh, Dr. Smith? Number one, we have taken God's word to be of none effect. God said, thou shalt not kill. And we see okay. that all over the land and country, either we are killing ourselves or we are being killed by some institution that is mm -hmm. supposed to serve and protect us, but they are annihilating us. Mm -hmm. And so we have violated the principle of thy shall not kill. Mm -hmm. Along that same vein, when we look at the fact that from 1975 to 2015, mm -hmm. that over 45 million did not make it to birth because that was how many abortions were performed in this nation. Okay. When God says that children are an heritage mm -hmm. of the Lord, and when we destroy our national heritage, 
when we destroy what God has given us to perpetuate the race and our family lines right. against the law of God. We can understand that if we are going to do legalized murder, then what do we expect those other people to do and feel like they can be justified in taking our lives? So uh, abortion is one of the abortion is, is moving up. Uh, right. to being the highest killer mm -hmm. or the, the, the taking of black lives. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So now we've got that. Then also we've got this idea, and I could expound on all of that a little bit more, but we also have the idea of what God has said to us in our way of living. There are sins and then there are abominations. Right. And anything that's an abomination is something that is detestable in the sight of God. Mm -hmm. And so when God gave Moses the word in Genesis about Adam and Eve, and he uh, intimated that story about him, and Adam said himself, Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Therefore shall a man leave his mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife. And the definition that God gave, because if you look at creation, Adam was disturbed. Adam was depressed, distraught. Because there was a help me for the animals, mm -hmm. a male for a female. And so now we have gotten so much that we're flaunting in front of God, almost shaking our fists at him and say, you can't tell us, you can't tell me who to take for a mate. If I want that man, and I'm a man, I'm going to call myself a husband, and I'm going to take him as a wife, and vice versa. And that's why I said, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so if we're going to get where we need to be back, to where we were, we have first got to come and ask God to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness and restore us unto the joy of his salvation. Because I can tell you for the most part, many have lost their joy. When you walk around now, you don't find a whole lot of Christians who are just so joyful like they used to be. They are all cautiously optimistic, but they are not looking with joyful anticipation because they don't know.
And I'm saying that had we gotten together at the beginning of this pandemic and asked God to intervene on our behalf, we say that we're Christ in, we're preachers, we're bishops, we're elders, missionaries, evangelists, we're teachers. Oh, we have all of these titles. And we studied a book, but we have not put the instructions of the book into practice for our practical living. And so I hope that I'm answering that question uh, uh, to, for you. Uh, I know it's a short answer, and I know we'll be delving a lot more into that. But you are right. Who is our leader? Can we call one? Can we? As we look at um, the way things are going on today, and we look at how in the church uh, the young people are falling away from the church, and it uh, doesn't seem like um, uh, the leadership in a lot of our churches today know how to um, regain the young young people back into the church. It, it seems as if the, the young people would rather, uh, if they're going to um, be part of anything, they, they do it outside of the church because uh, it seems like a disconnect. And we as uh, leaders and people in the church uh, can't speak their language. We can't uh, relate to them, and we can't. Uh, we don't understand uh, anything that they're they are saying today. So uh, somehow, some way, we have to get ourselves into a position, uh, or whether it's uh, getting bringing in or trying to get people that into our facilities that uh, understand young people and, and how to relate to them. Uh, but I, I know it seems like a lot of the things that we've done in the past is not working. And so our young people are staying outside of the church and they're not uh, being associated with it because uh, as, as I hear so many times, we don't understand what they're going through. We don't understand uh, their movement. And I understand that the word doesn't change, but sometimes we have to uh, adjust our method in order to get uh, uh, get through to the young people, because if we don't get through to our young people and and, and be able to relate to them, uh, it, 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 we the church the church is lost because and, and it'll be so many of our our churches that are begin begin to die off because uh, when you look at the church every year, as you look at it, uh, look at uh, statistics say. That ten ten percent of the people that come in that if you that you lose hold on let me re rephrase that you lose ten percent of the people per year so if you don't replenish that whether it's through evangelism of however uh, what you uh, your church is doing to uh, get people in the door if we don't do something then the church in years. To, short years is going to be in lack instead of in abundance because what we are not doing is we're not 
uh, we're not meeting the, the needs or we're not trying to relate to our young people in the way that uh, it used to happen in the church to, uh, years years before. When I came into the church, it was a different church. Everything was mm -hmm. done in a different way. We have so many of our leaders today that know nothing about uh, uh, the um, the social media aspect of the church and, and communicating and relating to our young people or knowing how to even get in touch with them. So it, it, it we have a... a situation on our hands that if we don't get our arms around it, we are, we're going to lose the camp. So uh, is there anybody out there that would like to to uh, chime in on that and say something uh, to, to, so we can get kind of get an idea of what we need to do to get back on the right track? What you think? All right. Thank you. And certainly we do welcome uh, and solicit calls and comments. Uh, let me just say this. Mm -hmm. um, there is an adage that says, if you do the same thing the same way every time, what will happen? You get the same result. You're going to get the same results. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, even within our uh, religious circles, mm -hmm. just as with the, in the political uh, and the social, uh, mm -hmm. we, uh, put our uh, collective energies so much uh, into one thing right. uh, until we've neglected uh, the very thing that the Lord told us to do, and that is to go ye into all of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have un we're under the, we've been under the uh, false illusion that our preaching is so good our choir singing is so good. Our deacon praying is so good is that that's going to draw people in from outside to the inside. When Jesus gave us a commandment to go ye into all of the world, right? And preach the gospel and teach uh, whatever I have commanded you to do. And so uh, we've abdicated uh, going to the Lord. I've heard deacon prayers, preacher prayers that say, Lord, go to the hospitals. Lord, go to the jail cells. Lord, go to the nursing homes. And that's the same thing that the Lord told us to do. And we've turned around telling him where to go when he told us that's our responsibility. Right. And so what has happened is, is that we are falsely believed that if you just open the door, people will come. Right. And that is one of the grandest illusions that anyone could ever have because we discount the idea, the fact, that Satan has some doors just as well. Satan uh, can make a joyful noise just as well. Uh, he can do the same things and make people in their own uh, sinful way feel good. He can make people dance like 
saints dance, run, and jump. Just like saints run and jump. He can make folks speak in tongues. Just like Christians do. So when we look at just thinking that that's going to happen, it won't happen. And so during this time when the church is down, there ought to be some curriculum being developed. There ought to be some program uh, being developed. Those that have gotten the uh, stimulus packages for their churches, those that are paying uh, the, for the upkeep and the salaries, uh, these are the uh, churches that have been given this, that they need to put some time and effort into coming up with strategies that will bring back the young. And one thing about it, in the absence of activity, you and I know they will find some on their own. They haven't stopped doing what they do. But we have not uh, addressed uh, the getting of young people out of the world and into the church. And one of the problems is we have been so busy doing our own thing. Preachers busy doing their own preaching thing. We've got uh, preachers who brag about how many revivals they've run or conducted in a year. Oh, I did 15, I did 20, I did 30. And you would think with all of these revivals that they are conducting, that say uh, sinners would be saved. But the fact of the matter is, it's not sinners coming to hear the so-called uh, elo eloquent preachers and evangelists. It's other members of the household of faith who fill up the churches. And, and because of that, we have lost a lot of people because we have not met their needs. And an evangelistic campaign ought to be a campaign where everybody in that church is involved in promoting that revival. And many times the pastor doesn't tell the folk until a week before or two weeks before that we're going to be in revival. A revival ought to have enough time to generate interest. And people ought to be wanting to talk it up like they do at a basketball game or football game. And so this is part of our problem as far as the church is concerned. And our gaining of members in many instances is not through evangelism. It's not through baptisms. It's mostly lateral transfers. 
individuals and families leaving from one church and relocating to another. But when you're talking about numerical growth from the outside in, in America, you will discover that even some of the most mainline denominations are reporting negative losses in membership. And their memberships are down by the thousands in the national denominations. And another reason is that we have become so traditional in what we do that we don't want, we encourage subtly people to leave because we don't want to embrace new ideas. And people were quick, they're quick to say, oh, we tried that 20 years ago and it didn't work. We tried that 10 years ago and it didn't work. And the person said, well, maybe it was because 10 years ago, it wasn't his time. But if you give me an opportunity to see if it'll work, sometimes we don't even give people an opportunity to see if something won't work. And then we self-fulfill that prophecy by not supporting the work they're trying to do. And we wonder why our church growth becomes stagnant. Because people come to our congregations, especially when they are young, they come enthusiastic. If they've been off to college, they've learned new ideas. They've learned new techniques. They've learned new ways of doing and presenting. And they're excited about being a part of a congregation. But then we welcome them but we stifle them at the same time and we put them on the pew. And then when they have something to say, we'll say, well, you just got here. That's not the way we do things. And so we discourage people and those churches that are progressive, that don't mind embracing new ideas and new ways of doing things and seeing things in an alternative way attract those kinds of persons. And you will find that most of the churches that are like that have younger congregations and middle-aged congregations and those other congregation members that are seasoned, they welcome them because they're saying they're taking on uh, the mantle and they're going to carry it on. But we are so conservative in our approaches that we want people to just sit there and listen to us as if our preaching is the best thing since sliced bread. And Dr. Bruce, I want to tell you, we have got to do better. And this pandemic should allow us to, to just reassess where we are. And when we come out of it, come out of it with a renewed sense and a rededication to do more than we did before. You know, when I, when I look at things as, as they're going today and we look at so many of our churches in America, we're finding that, uh, they, number one, the church was not ready for this type of a situation because they had not prepared because they looked 
at ninety percent of our churches, they look at people in the pews, and they don't the, the people that is not in the pews. They don't look at them and how to reach them. They don't know how to communicate to them. They don't have the ministries in place to uh, meet the needs of the people that are not in the pews. Uh, media ministries, uh, uh, social media ministries, uh, stuff like that. The churches uh, are lacking in so many areas. They don't have anybody uh, that that can do these things. They don't know how to do them. They haven't uh, haven't included that in the vision of the church. And so what we're finding today, so many of these churches are so far behind the, behind the eight ball that they, they can't reach forward because they, they just don't know what to do and don't know how to do it. And we have uh, some of the shepherds of the churches today, uh, they don't even wanna dive into that area because they don't think it's necessary. But when you look at the church, just like the, the jobs out in the world today that uh, I can almost assure you that 30% of them will not be back in the way that they were before. Because when we look at how people are going to be working from home, jobs are going to change their processes and their procedures in the way that they do things. And, and so in the church, if the church doesn't get connected to, to uh, a, some type of social media, uh, media ministry platform, some churches today doesn't even still have websites. And it, it's so many things. When you look at the young people today, the young people are, are, are people that, that connect with social media. So it's so important that, that we connect in with the in, in have our churches set up in a way that they can connect with these people in the way that they do ministry. When you look at when you look at our young people today, they're on their phones. They're not they're not uh, half the time they don't call nobody. They texting. So uh, are they on social media? So that the, the talking, the communication on the phone is is probably the when you look at look up a person's time that they use is probably low compared to the time that they're on social media. So if you're going to reach them, how are you going to be able to do it? You're going to have to do it through social media. So what that means is if churches don't have people in place to be able to do these things, or some of the smaller churches or churches that don't have young people, these pastors, in order to survive, because it's going to turn into a thing of survival. Because when you think about this one thing, I want you to think about this. Some of these churches that uh, the people are not in the churches today, they're going to gravitate uh, to the churches that, that have something for them now. The, church, the churches that have a, a social media uh, ministries that where they can connect with them. So what's going to happen? Those that may have even been in some of these churches that can't get that can't come together now, they're going to go to other churches that that have the capabilities of meeting their needs. So it's so important for us to recognize and realize that we have to shift gears. We have to put things in place. If you don't know how to do something, you need to connect with somebody that can that knows this stuff. Or, or, because I believe if, if, if pastors would ask around, they could find people, somebody that knows how to do these things that could help to set them up in the church. One of the ministries that, that lack in so many churches is a media ministry. They don't want to spend no funding on things like this because they think it's not needed because they thought they had had the thought in their minds that they would never need that. That was just a secondary thing. But when you look today as you can't get in the church if you have big congregations, you can't get all these people in the church. So what what you have to do, you have to have a way of con contacting them and communicating with them because they're not going to talk on the phone. So you're going to have to you need to have 
uh, uh, set up where you can do your your uh, virtual uh, sermons, your virtual Bible studies, these things like this that need to be set up in the churches, being able to commun communicate with the young people. Because if you don't do it, your survival's at jeopardy because you're not doing what, what has to be done to meet the needs of the people. What do you think about that, Doc? I certainly uh, concur with you. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we have looked at uh, ourselves as being the center of attention, many of our pastors and preachers, when it's not about us, uh, it's always been about others. Uh, and that's where joys come in, Jesus, others, and yourself. And so when we promote Jesus and we promote others and ourselves, uh, the Lord will open that door uh, for us to uh, be able to uh, bring in because it's, it's about having uh, spiritual insight. And let me just give you a couple of examples. I served uh, East Arkansas District Association uh, eight years as vice moderator and uh, almost nine years as moderator of East Arkansas District Association. And during my tenure, um, I tried to uh, bring the churches together. First of all, I understood the need to have a spiritual church. I understood uh, the need to have anointed pastors. And when we would do uh, certain things like uh, 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 anointings uh, uh, at the church, uh, many of the pastors would not attend. Uh, when we had uh, um, anointed services, uh, they were dismissed. Uh, and so uh, they never thought that they would need what they have to have now. And uh, I would uh, have, um, I would have uh, prayer service uh, all over uh, the church, not just one person praying, but we would uh, get into prayer circles and pray all over uh, the church during our sessions, getting the people ready for times such as these. Many of our ministers who are pastors would not attend, but I was doing what God had directed me to do. Another instance is, is that during my tenure, the Lord spoke to me about forming a uh, separate entity of a 501c3 uh, for the uh, out of our district association. And our main focus would be on housing and community development. But I was, uh, I was opposed. Uh, people uh, uh, criticized it. They didn't see the need for it. But the Lord had directed me uh, to let them know that this is something not for now, but for the future. And as a result, I got so much pushback 
from forming a 501c3, which would help the uh, district association because we could become self-sufficient in the building of houses and then meet a need for housing. But I got so much of a pushback, I said, okay, that's fine. But just a month or so ago, or less than a month, the new mayor of West Memphis was on TV saying, we need housing. We need quality housing. Yes, I, I heard about that. At, at that time, when I was trying to form a 501c3, the city of West Memphis met with moder uh, vice moderator Frederick Anthony and myself at City Hall, and they were willing to donate us lots, vacant lots, a dollar for a lot. And then old St. Paul, where Pastor Anthony, our vice moderator, pastor, had lots, and they were willing to give us lots along with that. And so the Lord was making preparation for us, but because of the short-sightedness of some of the members, because they hadn't been used to going in that direction of ownership and entrepreneurship, they were afraid. They were afraid. Exactly. And so it's the same thing. In our Congress of Christ and Education, Dr. Smith, we had our dean to offer courses for computer literacy, the computer in the life of the church. And many of the pastors would not even take the course because they thought that all they need to do is open up, say a few words, and start hooping, and that would get everything that they need as far as the church being stirred up. They did not understand that there will come a time such as which we're in mm -hmm. that there would be a need for them to have more than just a hoop. Right. And so we are our worst enemy because when people bring things to us, we dismiss them and we make light of them as if this is just some add-on or some luxury or something else good to have, but we really don't need it. Exactly. And now they are finding out to the contrary, the very thing that they need, they don't have. And so uh, you are so right, sir. Uh, I, I thank you for that insight. Uh, we're gonna get ready to close this out and just about three or four minutes. Um, but we just want to thank everyone that tuned in. And uh, not only will this be a, just a live podcast, we are going to turn it into a podcast that will go out and everybody can go back in and listen again. 
we are so thankful for you, Dr. Adams, becoming part of um, the BBS Gospel Broadcast Network of podcasts. And we are just uh, so thankful uh, for this weekly podcast, which is normally will will air on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Uh, we thank God for uh, uh, allowing us to to get this word out today to the people so that uh, everyone can um, be part of it. Uh, everyone that want to be part of it can. So it is, it's, a, it's an awesome thing that you're doing and the commitment uh, that has to go forth uh, uh, to do this on a weekly basis. Uh, you, you, you find a lot of people that's not willing to do this type of thing. So uh, Dr. Adams, we uh, uh, take our hat off to you, uh, to all of our listeners, and we're gonna ask you if you would uh, close us out and uh, we'll get out of here. Thanks so very uh, much, Dr. Smith. It's been a pleasure for me to come and to be a part of this interview, Crossroads. Uh, before we do that, is there any question, if there's anyone who's on the line, uh, if you do have a question, I want to let you know, I, I believe that you can leave questions and comments. And uh, if you do, uh, we we'll certainly, the next time that we're live, that would be the first thing that we do. We will look at uh, the previous comments, or if you had uh, didn't have an opportunity uh, to speak on uh, the line this time, I thank you uh, for your patience. And we're going to work things out. We're going to get better. And uh, it's just a privilege uh, for you to come on and to hear what we have to say. Oh, there are many topics that we're going to be discussing, and uh, we're going to solicit your input in all of them. But before we go, we'll have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you right now for the time that you have given us to come before the people in the beauty of holiness. Lord, we have come with the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Lord, we thank you right now for being the author and the finisher of our faith our first and our last, our beginning and our ending. Oh God, we ask that you would allow this podcast to grow some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, we just thank you right now for our producer and his home and his family. Bless them collectively and bless them individually. Bless this ministry and other ministries. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, that's the end, and we will tune out, and we will see you again on next week. Uh, we are just so excited about this podcast. And Dr. Adams, have a good day, and God bless you. Same here, my brother. <laughs>